permanent deacon talking the fifth Sunday of Easter. Love. Let the Spirit come down. Let the Spirit come down. Let the Spirit come down on me to change my life Welcome to this fifth Sunday of Easter where we think about God's love for us and our love for each other. We hear Paul and Barnabas carrying on in uh, the Acts of the Apostles and in John's Revelation we have a wonderful image of a new creation. Lawrence Freeman, who I speak, gives us part two of his simple and practical ways of mindfulness meditation. And the hymn from Mike Anderson is a wonderful one called Lord I Surrender. Let's begin with Father Don and his prayer of love. Lord, teach us to love. Help us to love. Fill us with your love. Lord, give us this gift of your Holy Spirit, who is love, who is the love there within you in the life of the Trinity, between you, our Father, and you, Christ, the Word, the Son. Pour into us, through this life-giving Spirit, more and more the gift of charity and love forever and ever. Amen. When Judas had gone, Jesus said, Now has the Son of Man been glorified, and in him God has been glorified. If God has been glorified in him, God will in turn glorify him in himself, and will glorify him very soon. My little children, I shall not be with you much longer. I give you a new commandment. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you must also love one another. By this love you have for one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples. I was transplanting some pea shoots with my grandson and he said, you're a great gardener proper. And I said, you're a great gardener too. He said, thank you. He's only six and we tend to take exchanges like this for granted as most of us do. But if you stop and look again, this is really the stuff of life. and We should imagine this is what God is like with us all the time. God is generous and gracious and Jesus at the Last Supper asks his disciples to be the same. I heard an African catechism answer to the question, why did God make us? The answer was because he thought we would like it. We have a wonderful hymn based on Isaiah that includes the line, you are precious in my eyes and another that says, I have carved you on the palm of my hand. This is how much God loves. 
Jesus wanted his disciples to treat each other with generosity and thanks, just as he did. When we read about Paul's adventures in Acts, it doesn't seem that he found much thanks from uh, people in Antioch. We could conclude that with Barnabas, he only met with failure from the Jewish community, and that really isn't the case. As a senior under himself, Paul had a rapport with the ways of the synagogue and had a commanding presence. When he stood up to speak and raised his hand, those present would fall silent and listen to his well-educated and informed discourse on the Torah or the prophets. In fact, many of the believers still consider themselves part of the old tradition and continue to worship and take full part in the life of the synagogue community. Nevertheless, there were those diehards and activists from Antioch and Iconium who tormented Paul and they could still persuade enough people to stone him and leave him for dead. But even this didn't faze Paul and Barnabas. As long as they made or made a few good disciples in each town, they carried on spreading the gospel about Jesus and would even return to Antioch to appoint elders of their own and give thanks for them and give them their time and gifts of encouragement. Generosity from Paul went to the extent of putting his life at risk for the disciples. Is this what Jesus meant by love one another? Do we all have to do this? The Last Supper was on a night when the forces of darkness were at work. Yet Jesus speaks about the glorification of the Son of Man in this upside-down world where the threat of death leads to the glory of God. Jesus then says, Love one another as a commandment for his disciples, as I have loved you. During his time with the apostles, they'd seen how Jesus loved, how he treated people. He didn't give favours as a reward. It wasn't a requirement that they had uh, shown how deserving they were. Love from him wasn't withdrawn from those who were disloyal, and it was never given because someone thought they earned it. A retreat given by a Jesuit priest made the point that the words found in Isaiah mentioned earlier are like love letters sent from God who keeps on saying, I give myself to you. The retreat master, uh, Father Greg, also provided exercises for ways in which we can listen for God in everyday situations where he pours out gifts of love throughout our lives if we're prepared to look for them. It could be our, our parents, our, our sunny trip abroad, the smell of a barbecue, a grandmother and a grandchild, an ocean liner, a blue sky. One aim of the retreat was then to be thankful for these gifts every day once you had recognised them for what they are. This is how God loves us and is the way we fulfil the commandments of Jesus to love one another as I have loved you. That, that's with great generosity and gratitude. In this way the commandment doesn't have to become a burden or a um, high out of reach ideal or a mind game so beyond us that we don't even try. We can imagine Jesus only appreciates the great gestures of martyrdom or being missionaries like Barnabas and Paul. We can't do this so we give up or say it's only something for the religious life or it's, it's only something for Sundays.
The real example of God's love is that God is near us all day, every day, and with us in all situations. Our love should be shown in little acts of generosity towards each other, in moments of appreciation for what someone has done for you, giving each other the gift of our time and patience, attempting to bring joy and being a radiator rather than a drain pipe. Gratitude can be the motive for all our relationships. I saw a leadership poster recently on LinkedIn. It was uh, a woman standing arms outstretched, viewing a sunrise over a wide lake with the words, being appreciated is one of the simplest and most uplifting things you can hear. Finally, John's revelation is one of the ways that shows us the total generosity of God. Here we have a vision of a new creation, God's tent with human beings, shared with human beings, who shall be God's people. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This will be the end of all threats, no death, no sadness, no crying, no pain. This is all gone. The leader is the Alpha and the Omega, who leads all to the water of life, where all shall partake at no cost. This is another love letter like Isaiah's, a beautiful vision of the new creation with God present. This is the time for the full face-to-face -face encounter, where we're told how much God appreciates us. I have called you by your name. You are mine, and I love you with the perfect love. So Jesus says, go and do the same. Surrender to 
Lord, please come to me in spiritual communion. Send your body and blood gushing through my veins. Send your love into my heart, my soul, my mind. Lift me up to your bosom and infuse me with your divine love. Amen. What the early Christian teachers recommended was this, a very simple and practical way of mindfulness, a practice of pure prayer. They say that at the time of meditation, you take a single word or a short phrase and you repeat it. The phrase, the word, the mantra, you repeat it continually in the mind and heart during the entire period of the meditation. And it is this simple, continuous repetition of the word that will lead you from the mind to the heart, from agitation to peace, from distraction to presence. The saying of the word creates a little narrow path of silence, which you follow through the noise, through the distractions, the agitation and the turbulence of the mind. And remember what Jesus says about the way to life. He says, the way to life is a narrow path that leads to life and few there are who find it. So saying your word is the essential discipline and also the art of meditation. You sit down, sit still, sit quietly. And the basic rule of posture is simply to sit with your back straight. That will help you to stay awake and to be alert. And then you gently, interiorly, silently, begin to repeat your word, your mantra. Say it in stillness without moving your lips or your tongue. The word that I would personally recommend and that Father John recommended is the word Maranatha. Maranatha is the oldest Christian prayer. It means, Come, Lord. It is in Aramaic, the language that Jesus spoke. St. Paul ends the first letter that he wrote to the Corinthians with it. If you choose this word, say it as four syllables. Ma-ra-na-tha. Ma-ra-na-tha. Articulate the word clearly in your mind. Listen to the word as you say it. Don't think about the meaning of it. Meditation is not what you think. Let go of all thoughts, even good thoughts or spiritual insights during the period of the meditation. And how do you let go of them? Simply by returning to your mantra as soon as you realize that you have become distracted by a thought.
Let's see where we can go down. 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 